Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU Fan Podcast Memorial Day edition. Uh, new and improved and brought to you by, I guess this is brand new. We're going to do a live read and stuff, a cool ad that Matt's going to create. But uh, I guess brewed or powered or influenced or inebriated by uh, Vanessa Ass <laughs> Brewery. Hopefully that picked go. up. It's not the right can, but it, that that works. Uh, new title sponsor to Through the Keyhole. We're growing, guys. Vanessa House, check them out in Oklahoma City. Uh, we'll have, again, like I said, something a little more off the top. It's a little bit colder than that. But Through the Keyhole, uh, powered or brewed or something, we'll, we'll settle on it. We'll, we'll come together as a team uh, by Vanessa House uh, Brewery in Oklahoma City. Uh, and I believe I, that's what I did that over the weekend. Uh, I'm, I've taken over this. This Now the podcast is me uh, advertising Vanessa House entirely. Uh, <laughs> but I picked up I picked up a 12-pack for, for the Memorial Day. I had a good, good little seltzer. But anyway, joined as always by Alan Kinney and Matt Burden. Matt, I know you've been uh, been like a little government mule moving stuff around. Yes. How's the weekend going, man? It's going well, man. Going well. Uh, I've been about a week into my new place and, you know, after, you know, the, the dust kind of settles and we get all settled in uh, today, I had to help my brother, or my, uh, my girlfriend's brother move. So uh, the moving never stops. It just, it never ends. It will never end. I will uh, constantly be a mover so if anyone i'm in the mood right now you know if, if you need help moving just let me know i'm a seasoned veteran at this point well do you have a truck <laughs> absolutely not you'd have to provide okay. your own truck you'd have to okay. provide your own <laughs> truck. To say. i just to say. i just have uh sheer sheer willpower that's what i have <laughs> <laughs> and alan how's things in your neck of the woods how's it going Oh man, I can't complain. Just enjoying the nice long weekend, getting nice and warm here. Saw a Top Gun last night, man. Uh, really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, it's kind of funny because it's not like your usual sequel. It's more like what the character would be like thirty years later, or what have you, thirty-five years later. Uh, it was good though, man. No, I had fun, and uh, you know, just uh, getting by really. Yeah, I've heard that about the about the new top gun movies that it's not a sequel it's as if you're watching a sequel to a movie that didn't get made halfway through to a certain <laughs> yeah, degree because about, like it, yeah because it's like about the grandkids or something it's like it's a little bit different uh from from that perspective yeah it was fun though man like the stuff that they're able to do with the jets in this one everything uh pretty incredible man yeah that's one thing it was uh i can't remember it's um uh, Tony Kornheiser has a, I cannot remember her name. She has, he has this uh, woman on to, to give like movie reviews and uh, on, on the Tony Kornheiser uh, show podcast, which I cannot, I guess I can't wait to be old and just be grumpy at everything. Uh, <laughs> so the only reason why I listen to the podcast uh, is very funny, but she had actually said, yeah, it's one of those cheesy action movies, but actually kind of written somewhat seriously. Like it's like it embraces everything, but they actually try and not just like oh, throw yeah. cheesiness at the film uh just like in an, an blatant regard of, of of film quality yeah i know exactly i think that'd be a great way to put it yeah it, it definitely takes itself very earnestly uh so you know yeah yeah it's not going to be uh it's it's not for the heart of heart well guys this is uh we're, we're getting deep into the to, to the off season we're what uh, we're in double digits away from uh, the season kicking off like 98 days or something along those lines. I've already, 
I know the the blog Twitters have already started doing the the, the numbers and stuff, but I, it's hard for me to keep up. But we are deep into it. Uh, I'm I'm currently reading uh, or trying to finish the the indifferent stars above, uh, which is about the Donner Party and how they got uh you know mm. hate each other. Uh, I kind of <laughs> feel like that's where we are right now in OU offseason. It's like there's nothing left. We've got to cannibalize every single bit of information we can find. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure this week we'll get like the top five teams of all time type uh, stuff for you know the best programs of the last ten years. All those kinds of uh, different lists coming out and everything. I'm sure. Yeah. And get ready for us to talk about it. No. <laughs> Bringing the endorsement. Uh, but in, in the, that beautiful segue is that we are going to cannibalize something that Alan wrote for the Crimson and Cream Machine, uh, setting the, uh, what was it, your, your betting odds or yeah, or your, your, right. your weighted, uh, your, your projected win total for the OU 2022 seasons. So walk us through this and see if we point and laugh at you. Because you, <laughs> I did see you use a lot of numbers and math to figure this out. <laughs> So uh, we'll see how this holds up. Yeah, no, it's really not quite as uh, math driven as it sounds. Um, You know, every year you'll see uh, around this time, actually, the betting shops like, say, BetMGM or WinBet or uh, BetRivers or FanDuel. They start putting out uh, what, what, you know, season win totals for every college football team. And that means that, you know, they set a number, say uh, eight and a half, right? And if you're, if the Oklahoma Sooners are set at eight and a half, there's a certain, there are certain odds that they'll win more than eight and a half games. And there's certain odds that they'll win fewer than eight and a half games. And that's based on a 12 game regular season. So any bowls don't, bowls don't count. Uh, conference championship games also don't count. Um, but, you know, the way and then, you know, they take obviously they take bets on it, you know. Uh, and so I've been for just about every year for probably like 10 years or so now. I, I try to maintain my own set of uh, power rankings that I use to set point spreads myself. And uh, so I go through and use those to set up my own kind of win projection for OU to then compare against Vegas. I mean, is there any sort of like special sauce to it? I know you said you have your own thing. I don't want to give it away, but like, how do you come up with how you weight and assign? I don't know. Let's, let's say Nebraska. I know you've even in your preamble said you kind of added, uh, added some number to Nebraska just beyond just what the projection says. I mean, how do you get Nebraska um, kind of where it is in your mind? Well, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's probably more art than science. A lot of times, um, you know, I kind of like to start with the idea of projected power ranking, you know, and then work from there. Uh, So for example, what I normally, what I might do is I might look at Alabama and say, okay, well, I, I think Alabama, I would give them like rating x right and then if i think that's the strongest team i just kind of work down from there like i look at it i try to i try to base a lot of it on uh, I, I mean i i look at it like almost like um there's a good book about this called super forecasters where it's it's a, looking at a lot of different projections to kind of put your own type of thing together you know i mean so i can't i can't say that there's like some specific uh you know, like science to it in that regard. So, but so, you know, for example, um, if I say, if, if my, uh, you know, once I put my power rankings together, if I look at it and say, okay, 
on a neutral field, um, I make Oklahoma a seven point favorite over team X. Um, so then I know, you know, that would be the line that I would set on a neutral field. Well, if OU's playing, uh, playing in Norman, I'll normally tack on like two and a half extra points and just say, okay, I make OU a nine and a half point favorite over this, over this, uh, team X. If they're playing on the road, I'd take two and a half points away. So that would make them more along the lines of a four and a half point favorite. So, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of how it works out. Um, it really, when I start to put it into practice. Yeah, that's something like uh, the, 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 the Nebraska games are when I'm really looking at the most for some reason, because like it, you know, I know currently the spreads at what minus six OU favored by six. And that's just something I would not want to touch in any way, shape or form. Like I just don't see it being it's OU's first test against like an actual football team to a certain degree, no matter what you how, however you think about Scott Frost, Brent Venable's first test as a real head coach going against somebody who. I mean, you know, the things just haven't worked out for him in Nebraska, but I, I just don't, I don't know. Everyone seems still thinks that Frost still is a good coach. It's just like, it's just been the most unlucky guy of all time. Uh, right. But to me, that just seems like just a late Nebraska, you know, backdoor cover type situation. Oh, you just can't ever quite pull away. And we've got a lot of OU fans biting fingernails uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> during the entire game thinking, Oh no, here we go again. We can't separate. I mean, uh, I, I know, I mean, I, I'm going to j- jump the horse a little bit. I mean, OU is uh, – what, what's OU's over and under right now? I think Bet Online had them at eight and a half. Is that correct? That sounds right, yeah. And that would be juiced to the uh, – pretty strongly to the over. Yeah. So, like, that eight and a half popped up. And I know those numbers are set to make people want to do something. I have mm-hmm. never once wanted to bet in my entire life. Like, I – I work in the casino. I mean, I work for a Native American government. We have casinos. I've been to Vegas. I've thrown a couple of months, a couple of dollars in a slot machine or something. But I've never actually wanted to place a bet. The eight and a half number popped up, and I immediately clicked on the link and I said, I thought about it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> there's, I was like, eight and a half seems too good to be true, really. There's, I was like, there's got to be a gimmick here that I'm not paying attention to, uh, other than I'm, I'm assuming me placing a bet would be illegal in the state of Oklahoma. So <laughs> that's not entirely for sure on, on that point. Uh, but you have them at, uh, 9.67. I mean, are, how confident are you Are you hitting that eight and a half over? I mean, I know the projections have it, but sometimes the number you put together, I mean, do you agree with it entirely? Do you think, well, maybe I'm missing something? There's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of games that might need to be swung in a different direction. Sure. Well, let me explain how I get, how I got actually to that um, 9.7, uh, 9.67 number. Um, what I do is, I go through and I set the line for each game, right? So for example, the game you mentioned, I have, I have OU favored by six at Nebraska, right? So historically you can then uh, kind of look at how often teams that are favored by six points win outright, right? So like a team that's favored by six points, uh, numbers have it at 0.67 or like, you know, 67% of the time a team wins uh, in that situation. So I go ahead and what I do in that case is if I've got OU minus six, I give OU 0.67 wins towards their total, um, you know, 0.67 times one naturally. Um, so the sum of every single game that I've done that, right. I've gone through the sum is what gives you that 9.67 number. So that's pointing to, uh, OU winning between nine and 10 games 
more likely on the 10 game side. Um, now with the, you know, with, so with that number, if, if OU is, for example, if someone is offering me OU to go over eight and a half, I mean, to me, that looks like a pretty good bet. Um, if I've got OU at 9.67, uh, how come, you know, you, these are always, I mean, this is kind of an all things being equal type thing. So, you know, I mean, yeah. if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt in week two, all this, obviously those, all those numbers change quite a bit, you know, but for now, no, I feel pretty good about, uh, I feel pretty good about where I've got OU now it's it, but it's interesting, but keep in mind, like my numbers aren't necessarily going to be what the odds makers are using. And in fact, like that's probably a good thing if you're trying to make money and you feel confident in the numbers you have, because, um, if they're way off, then that tells you maybe you've messed something up. But, you know, for example, if I've got OU favored by six at Nebraska and the line right now that FanDuel is offering is OU minus four and a half, I've got a, I've got a point and a half there that maybe I feel like makes OU a good bet to cover there. Yeah, and as we – I mean, we'll have on the uh, – this week on the Through the Keyhole Patreon, which you can uh, join for a, a poultry uh, sum of $4 a month to listen to – uh, very, uh, very cool. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Exclusive podcast, some writing material, uh, and some interactions with us. Uh, we're going to have a Bill Conley on this week from ESPN. Writes, uh, I think, basically exclusively for ESPN Plus at this point in time. Uh, but famous for his SP Plus rankings. The thing that uh, last time I had him on that he uh, somewhat struggles with is he's been told by books in Vegas that basically they just use his SP plus and then add injury news to it. So it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, now it's really hard to use that number system, like his, his projection systems as a way to, you know, uh, to get in front of something like you need to start potentially, you know, trying to do maybe homebrew your own little thing using some of that information. But once, you know, once you start getting pretty hammered in on this stuff, um, I mean, these guys, it's their living. <laughs> yeah to, to yeah and you know i mean football is one where I, we have a hard time i think in general talking about analytics as they apply to football because football isn't it, it like like on a large scale it behaves fairly predictably but in the game-to-game situations there's plenty of room for variance and for you know abnormal outcomes uh, so, you know, those are, I think, in a lot of situations, what people might be looking for, um, you know, looking, for example, uh, one thing you might do looking at mine, like, for example, if I have a team, for example, it seems like Baylor in the past mm-hmm. years, the past two seasons, and really three, when Dave Aranda has been on the other sideline, because uh, there was LSU in 2019. Also, like he had seemed to have a pretty good grasp of what Lincoln Riley liked to do on offense and, and had a, you know, few had good ideas about how to kind of uh, slow or, you know, slow down that offense, not necessarily stop it, but gum it up a little bit. So for in the past, I might say, okay, well, it's a Rand on the other sideline. So even though I have OU normally I'd say OU's a 10 point favorite in my mind uh, in this situation, I'm going to knock it down to like eight and a half um, or, or nine. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I've got a couple of situations like this. You mentioned Nebraska. That was one where, you know, my number probably would have been closer in that kind of situation to like OU minus eight. Um, but I knocked it down just a couple of points because um, I think that, you know, for example, that's going to be that's going to be OU's first road game under Brent Venables as head coach. 
And there's also, I mean, for Nebraska, there's a lot on the line in that game. That's yes. the kind of game that, you know, they're going to be looking to, that, that they're going to have circled. Um, for them, it's the kind of opportunity to really springboard their season, you know, and there'll be uh, some revenge at play there after playing OU so tough in Norman last year. So, you know, for example, that that's one where I would make the line a little bit tighter than, than I normally would. Yeah, I mean, those games, I mean, the Nebraska game, I'm trying. No, I'm trying to look at the schedule right here. I mean, just that Nebraska, Kansas State, TCU, Texas, just kind of run kind of early does seem a bit tough. And then you've got Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State right after that. I mean, there, there seems to be two two little runs that OU is going to have to na- navigate pretty easily. Maybe I'm kind of. I think what did, didn't both of you pick Kansas State as like your dark horse? Uh, I mean, for me, that's one that yeah, I would. I, I mean, I. Compared to the rest of the league, yeah, yeah, yeah just so, just based on the odds, just we, we yeah, were going on the over odds. the uh, just yes. based on the odds. Yeah. I don't think they yeah. they're going to win, but they had pretty good odds. Yeah. But I was thinking, I mean, Kansas State does play OU tough. They have beaten them before. I mean, there is an ability now. Obviously, new new coaching staff, new talent, new quarterback. But I mean, it, it's not entirely new. I mean, OU historically has struggled against teams that can, you know drop eight and then bully ball. And that doesn't mm-hmm. change. I, I wonder what that's going to look like under Levy. Is he able to handle uh, navigate some of these defensive schemes that gave Lincoln Riley so much issues. Uh, and and, and the, same- the thing that's not going to be talked about is K-State, when it comes to playing against Oklahoma, they might've downgraded against uh, on quarterback. Uh, Skylar Thompson played the game of his life every time he played OU. So <laughs> I don't know yeah. if Adrian Martinez can play as well as Skylar Thompson ever did. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is true. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, I, I know, uh, uh, Brady would always talk about it. He's like getting really tired of watching, uh, opposing quarterbacks, cor- uh, like eyes roll in the back of their head when they play OU, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it seemed like every guy had their, had the, uh, Trevor Knight game against OU just randomly. Um, but then we also have some other stuff here, kind of walking through some of these, all these harder games and we're just kind of navigating the schedule, kind of having fun shooting the shit guys. I mean, it's not too structured today. Uh, Texas, obviously a big time thing there. Uh, but yeah, just, just having the idea of Baylor, West Virginia, who I said was mine. I want to hand that hand up there. I believe West Virginia is going to be better than what they are. Maybe I'm an idiot. It just, it just feels like it's to me, it's either like Neil has to perform to a certain level or he is out. Uh, and then Oklahoma state. I mean, I know you have Texas as the lowest win rate there. Is there anything other than it just being Texas that you're, you're seeing, and I, I know the spread even has – is that that's your spread. Oh, you favored by three. Yeah, that's – I think, the, a, I think Vegas I has Texas by four, right, or around those lines? Uh, looking here, I mean, the, the earliest games of the year lines that I've seen, they do have that one lined, and I believe, yes, Tex, Texas is a one-point favorite. One-point favorite. Right. So that indicates that either – the shops, the the either FanDuel likes Vegas better than I do, or FanDuel is a little bit cooler on OU than I am. I'm not quite sure how that, uh, uh, where which part, or it could be both, obviously, which part of that, uh, you know, kind of squares up there. But I mean, in this case, Texas is always a very hard team um, for me to uh, power rate because. I can look at their roster and tell you, okay, this roster is one of the, you know, eight to 10 best in the country, just based on who they've, who they've acquired. But, you know, 
the uh, the the results on the field just don't match up. So you're kind of stuck in this middle where last year Texas was like, you know, uh, a C minus type team uh, with a you know A minus roster. So what do you do, right? Um, I've got that game. You know, I think that if if it was just left to my own uh, points, my own uh, power ratings, I probably have that at something closer to like OU minus five. Um, but you know that it's it's Red River Shootout. Uh, you know, you got a case where you don't really know uh, how like OU is going to necessarily respond in under this new coaching staff in that situation. And those games just tend to be played pretty tight. So, you know, if you're getting, if you're thinking like, oh, it's going to be a 10 point game, you know, all things being equal, probably knock it down to like a seven or an eight, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So in this case, since I got five closer to a field goal, um, I still make OU the favorite in that case. Uh, but you, you can, I can understand where there might be some, uh, skepticism there i mean let's face it texas has done a lot to uh you know up their firepower on yeah. at least on the off you know offensively uh and so you know it, it's just they're one of those teams that i think is gonna they're just gonna be very hard i think not only for myself but for vegas obviously to uh put a good get a good handle on yeah texas i mean to me i think the recruiting class is everyone goosed up right now but the the o-line stuff Mm-hmm. I mean, do you really expect true freshmen to walk in and be starters? True freshmen to walk. I mean, to me, they're still one to two years away from being peak Sark. The thing is, can peak can Sark survive that long? Uh, mm-hmm. Now, obviously, adding in the, uh, the the wide receivers and getting that help and kind of going full Lincoln Riley mode, we'll see if they can do that. I mean, let's see if they have the ability to become kind of that early Lincoln Riley, where it's like top five offense we're going to try to play defense as best we can. We're trying guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, try to try to just outspeed you. Uh, and as OU fans, we know generally how that works out. You can win a lot of football games until you run into, you know, pressure situations where it's situational football. Uh, and that's when stuff really starts falling in the lines, but Texas is not able to get any sort of rush help, any sort of help on the line, defensive line too much. I mean, to me really kind of tampers down their overall uh, expectations and, you know, you know, th- there's already fluff pieces being written about Patterson, about how, you know, it's going to turn this ship around and stuff. And I was like, do we not remember TCU the last four yeah, or five years? They I mean, were, like, yeah. they were on the Mike Stoops trajectory themselves. I mean, yeah. like, let's not forget. I think the game just figured them out. You know, I mean, yeah. the four two five in which he played, uh, Dubs seemed to be somewhat over. Uh, and then I looked at it from uh, on the, um, the Monday post I wrote. It's just about OU season. Now, just looking at the SP+. Plus, on average, OU plays, on average, a 59th-ranked team with right. only one top 30 team being Nebraska and Nebraska being at 29, like just sneaking in there. So, I mean, this is entirely a very – this is the offseason, okay? This is very mm-hmm. much so the offseason. But this this is a very, very, as it currently is constituted, manageable schedule for OU to be somewhat artificially – inflated and accelerated into that last spot you know something of that nature in that big 12 if they can navigate some of this stuff you know like i mean oh you 
the, the issue of OU is that all the teams are kind of equally in that same area, even though they only play one top 20, uh, one top 30 team. They're not playing a lot of truly horrible teams except for the first two games. Now, like Michigan, Michigan's average uh, opponent's 58, but uh, they play five top 30 teams. The other issue is that the rest of their teams they play are all in the 80s and 90s uh, in the rankings. Right. OU has it like right in the middle, like right in the sandwich kind of area where I think if they lose, they're kind of, they're kind of screwed because they don't have a marquee game. But they should have the ability to be continually tested and, and, and kind of navigate that stuff. I mean, I know it's super early and you're kind of looking at it. I mean, but looking at the schedule, looking at what you've put together, does, I mean, does, I mean, even Matt too, I mean, dropping, I mean, do you think it's somewhat, I mean, do you think OU can be, if OU can get past Texas, do you think we'll, we'll start seeing some ESPN thing being like, look out now, Sooners aren't dead. They're moving around, you know, you know, by Bedlam week or something like that. Um, You know, I mean, for me, yeah, I, I, this schedule just based on what i see i mean if if you're if we're baking in a win against texas then um you know that absolutely raises the floor of where uh you know this season goes if i know that that that's one because i have that as their you know a game that OU's would normally win i have if i they're a three-point favorite that would work out to uh 0.58 of a uh uh, 0.58 pardon me wins so a little bit more than a little it's better than a little bit better than a coin flip so you know i mean yeah sure that would definitely raise the ceiling of where they could go yeah it would and listen i'm i'm not trying to be the, the this offseason's getting to me too guys it is uh, <laughs> nebraska that they're gonna find out a lot we're gonna find out a lot about you against yeah. nebraska yeah nebraska really improved via the transport all this this offseason. I mean Casey yeah. Thompson he's a fine quarterback like I mean we saw what he did in a half against OU uh, last year granted that was an Alex Grinch defense not uh, Brent Venable's defense <laughs> um you know, scheme anyways um but then on, on the defensive side too you got Oshawn Mathis like TCU's best player basically uh, yeah. is up in Nebraska he, he yeah. didn't want to go play for Texas and Gary Patterson anymore he was like no I'm gonna go <laughs> go up to Nebraska so I do think that one is going to be a tough, a tough ask too. like in Nebraska, like, like we saw last year, they were the best three and nine team of all time. <laughs> They're the yeah. best three and nine team of all time. But no, I'm with you. I, I think, um, man, it, just thinking about this though, with specifically how this off season has gone and people just farming OU for engagements, basically, I think it, it'd be, it would be prime like national media content to just be to just call OU like the pretenders again like if like if they're if they beat Texas and go on this I think they could spin it into that too they could spin it into uh they they haven't played anyone you know yada yada and then drive up some more OU fan engagement some more more pissed off OU fans um but no this this schedule like I said if you do beat Texas do beat Nebraska then and and if you I don't know. I still think that this team should compete for a big 12 title anyways, but I think that's always got to be the kind of baseline expectation. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a tough one to see, uh, especially if they get all the way, if they get all the way to like Bedlam and they're still undefeated, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because we did see last year too, that I don't know. It felt like, OU had kind of, I don't know, dropped out of the, it, it had kind of lost that like, 
pass, mm-hmm. right? Where you're undefeated and you're automatically up in the upper echelon. It, it kind of felt like they'd lost that pass. You know, they're undefeated, but uh, they keep sliding down. Oh, they're number eight. They're ranked eighth in this poll. And you're like, what's going on? So I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Though. Yeah, I mean, OU has a chance. I mean, that that was a bit of an issue in my mind because OU was playing very bad teams and just not beating them. Uh, I think OU has – I don't think Levy is going to not want to score 70 as much as he possibly can. I mean, to, to, he's going to – I think he has some of that old Baylor in him. It's like we're here just to run a track meet until the until we got, you know, zeros across the board. I, I, I hope that works out, though. I mean, OU has – OU itself has got in a lot of help from the transfer portal on the offensive side. I mean, maybe they're not as sexy as wide receivers and stuff that have been brought in that like Texas has gotten or something like that, but these are still very talented guys OU's going to be able to use. Uh, but to talk about your, your Nebraska thing, uh, again, this is an interview on the, uh, on the Patreon. I had Rob Bauer and on. Uh, I, I'm totally going to listen to him because he's uh, a smart human being. Uh, but uh, hiring Mark Whipple to be the offensive coordinator, he's uh, he claims Mark Rob's opinion was uh, this might be Scott Frost's you know coffin and, and uh, you know final nail in the coffin type thing. I mean, he hired a counting stats offensive coordinator who had his yeah. best year ever with an NFL quarterback, uh, and at any point in time was never that good. Uh, it just seems more like a desperation type of hire than it, it seemed like you hire him to like point so the boosters can say, oh, wow, he was at Pitt. They did all that cool stuff without really thinking about it per place, you know, per play. You had, you know, you had a – who was the quarterback they had just now at Pitt? Kenny uh, Pickett. Pickett. Yeah, Kenny Had Pickett. Kenny Pickett. You know, had an NFL quarterback and, and then not kind of seeing – you had the, you know, the uh, the wide receiver who just went to, to USC and not really kind of putting that stuff together. So I think the defense will be salty. The defensive line will be salty. Obviously, I think that's the biggest test for OU against Nebraska is how they're going to operate versus a grown-up defensive line. I don't know if that offense is going to be anything, especially if Casey Thompson, uh, be anything that we need to really worry about. It'll be a good test, obviously, from UTEP and Kansas, uh, Kent State, which really should just be kind of like pick-your-score games. <laughs> Dude, mm-hmm. like you got two spring games back-to-back to start the season. Uh but if we can't forget game, Chuba Purdy. Chuba Purdy yeah. went to Nebraska too. Oh, it's not just Casey that. Thompson's job. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I'm going to stop. Okay. I'm sorry. 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 My bad. My bad. Sorry. I'm presumed starter. My my opinion. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 going to be some stuff in there. Uh, so I, I guess we'll go ahead and give answers. We already know Alan. Alan, eight and a half, or Zoe, you hit me over. Yeah. Now I'm going to note here. Fanduel has that at minus one fifty five to go over. That's like, as that's like heavily, heavily juiced. So, um, yeah, I mean, at that, at those odds, yeah, I think I'd go over. Same, uh, it's over. It's over. I think. <coughs> I think we're gonna go clean sweep. It's over. I'm a complete betting virgin with that stuff, so I don't know what minus one fifty five is. I just know. <laughs> they're going to win more than half games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that means that you'd have to, to win a hundred dollars. You'd have to bet $155 down, put 155 down to win a hundred. So uh, if OU goes under, you'd be, you, if you bet a hundred, you'd win 130. So uh, that's, that's how they kind of like to set those. Okay. Well, you learned t- today. I learned TIL. The more you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell your kids how uh, how to gamble, starting them young. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, that's where we are there. I think it's a clean sweep. I think we all believe that's what's going to happen for OU for the coming season. Eight and a half. If you can get that number, uh, bet the mortgage. Uh, as Alan <laughs> Kenny suggested, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are entertainment purposes only. We should, uh, oh, true, true, make sorry, true. This yeah. is entertainment podcast. Let, yeah, this is not information. So, here's here's an interesting one, though, that I also saw on FanDuel OU to or teams to win 10 plus games, right? So, this 10 plus regular season games, OU is plus 160. So, you bet 100, you'd win 160 if OU goes, uh, wins 10 or more. That might be actually one that's worth considering. So I'm a, so uh, maybe you could I don't know parlay it or something I don't know the, I don't know all the cool game. this isn't the Bill Simmons podcast yeah <laughs> I don't know all the stuff uh, so now moving on to the next point of our topic Brent Venables is out there saying some more stuff this time positive stuff not catching OU uh, Twitter ablaze maybe to the to the dislike of the OU uh, content farmers but talking about that turnip seed. Uh, now we do know he's being brought in as like an, uh, I can't remember the actual full title, but basically kind of like an associate AD of football to a certain degree, uh, a special assistant to something, something. His job is to basically make sure OU football has, has been modernized facilities wise, uh, booster wise, fan engagement wise. They, they hired the, uh, the fan engagement uh, AD. I can't, can't remember her name. I mean, the idea of like, we're going to turn the, the football part of the athletics department into its own mini athletic department that lives with inside the athletics department. And you hear Brent with his comments saying like, that just takes care of everything. So only thing I have to focus on is coaching and uh, coaching the guys and getting ready for football, which does seem to be a little bit different than how some of these guys are. I mean, and maybe it is an ego thing. You've got, you know, I mean, like Mac Brown used to run, run the Texas program, <laughs> you know, it, these kind of things, they, they run everything. Brent being from the very beginning, and maybe this is a, uh, a testament to his potential ability to succeed at OU, said very early, I'm going to coach the football, I'm going to recruit, and we're going to win games. Those are my jobs. The rest of it, I'm, I'm pushing that off to somebody else who I trust, who's been, who's done this at Alabama before they took off Nick Saban, done that with uh, uh, Dabo before they took off and started winning a lot of games. And now at OU before hopefully we take, uh, OU takes off and start winning some titles and stuff. I mean, but I mean, Alan, how, how do we think about, how do you think about, I mean, the most thoughtful guy on the podcast of the three of us, <laughs> literally tweeted them. And then we have Alan Kinney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Matt, you got tossed under the bus with me. Uh, I mean, I mean, what's the structure? I mean, do you know anything about the structure of it, or is this that just basically being the godfather of OU football at this point in time? That's a great question. I don't know. I, mean, I haven't heard much about what he's doing, but um, I get the impression he's kind of a you know he's the guy to know, the guy to get stuff done. You know what I mean? Uh, every, it seems like every major organization has one of those kinds of guys in there doing working on that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I think that one thing that we've seen time and again um, is that college football has become professionalized in the sense that, you know, you need to have kind of, for lack of a better word, uh, an organization. You yeah. have somebody who can do the nutrition, somebody who's watching over the, you know, uh, uh, donor engagement, fan engagement, uh, someone who is going to, uh, you know, be monitoring what how the facilities stack up 
um, keeping an eye on, on those kinds of questions, you know, I mean, what are you doing to identify potential coaching replacements? If you need, uh, you know, guys like in the assistant ranks who might be a guy you want to bring up to become an analyst and potentially groom to uh, join your staff in the, uh, you know, full-time assistant type position, that type of thing, I think is, um, you know, all that stuff is really important. I don't know how much of that, that turnip seed is going to oversee, but, um, he's, you know, he's the guy to have there to do that. Uh, you know, and so, I, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a great idea on Venable's part, um, you know, and it's the kind of thing too, where when, you know, when you're selling someone like Joe Castiglione on kind of this kind of thing, you know, you're counting on that turnip seed, you know, to be the guy who builds the case for you. Right. Like, you know, here's what these programs have that we don't have, or here's how I feel like this will improve uh, the, you know, the, the quality of our, of our program, our organization overall. Um, you know, it's not just a walk in and say, oh, well, give us some more money for recruiting or something. It's, you know, having a plan, being able to, you know, kind of draw all that out uh, without, you know, Brent Venables having to take that part of it on. Yeah, that's the I mean, That's something I'm thinking about too, because I know that there was a general, maybe fear is not the right word. Maybe cons, maybe it's more concern of as OU is reaching in more into these collectives and NIL and stuff like that. I mean, is there enough money to go around for the rest of the stuff? You know, for for O for OU to upgrade facilities, for OU to be able to like, I, I know um, uh, one one of the one of the buildings is being retrofitted to have like a player recovery center and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, uh, things are being built, baseball, softball, things are being built. But you know, does that money start drying up if OU is having to tap those resources for nil uh, nil type stuff? So maybe that becomes like Dad's biggest concern is saying like, hey, we understand we've got this stuff, we're doing nil things, but we still need to do this as well. Like we have to compete. Uh, on every single front because I don't know if, and maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being wrong about it. Like I, you know, like I, I read stories of, of uh, uh, from Reggie Bush talking about USC's weight room being like a high school gym, basically, you know, when he, they're winning national championships. Cause like there just wasn't engagement to do that, but there's plenty of engagement to pay those players. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And I just don't know. Like, does that do you, does, does this place like, Oh, you need, to compete or try to compete its best at, at every single front of it. You know, it's like, we have to, you know, be in the top 20 in facilities, be in the top 20 of stadium, be in the top 20 of NI, like just do the location and populations and stuff like that. I mean, it doesn't seem like, Oh, you can be a home run hitter and one of one or two of those things. I mean, am I off base on that or anything? I mean, am I, am I trying to, am I doom casting myself again? I don't think so. But again, this is where somebody like that turnip seed would come in because he can tell you, you know, okay, look, the, the return on your investment in putting a waterfall in the uh, you know, <laughs> lobby is going to be nil compared to having a great recovery room or, yeah. you know, investing in someone who is really, really solid in nutrition and monitoring, you know, uh, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, the amount of distance a guy travels during one practice and saying, you know, like so-and-so might be getting to the point of being overworked in practice, that type of thing. Um, you know, I mean, 
that's again, that's why you invest in this one guy, Thad Turnipseed, to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to spending and projects, I think, too, or maybe not even separating out as opposed to figuring out where the biggest uh where where you need to direct more of your energy as opposed to uh some stuff that's really just fluff matt what do you think about oh you getting a, a waterfall you, i mean do you, do you think that's just fluff can oh you have like a water slide in there no I mean, and i also think i also think maybe a moat maybe a <laughs> moat around uh, the stadium just spitballing ideas here um but todd turnip seed he can make that happen from everything that we've that we've heard He's like, have you, has anyone ever seen the show Ray Donovan on Showtime? No? Okay, well, he is, he is no. a fixer. That's his job. He is a fixer. That's his job title. Anything that you need done, he fixes it. If someone gets in trouble with the law, uh, he fixes it. <laughs> it's a little bit probably sketchier on the sketchier side than what Thad Turnipseed does, but you get my point. He's a, he's a fixer, right? I think it's always good to have a guy like, if anything needs done, anything goes wrong, Hey, we can call that. Yeah. The troubleshooting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, I mean, I, Matt, how old are you? I'm 29. 29. Okay. I was about to say, maybe it's an age shift. I'm, I'm, I'm famously 34. Uh, famously, now, so it's yes. not that much of, not that much of an age difference, but I always, I always think of more like it's the wolf, mm-hmm. you know, the Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Pulp fiction, yeah. He's here to fix it up. <laughs> he's got the stuff he's going on. And OU hasn't had the wolf. I, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing that OU, the trouble OU was having as it was like living off of like the, the NOS fumes of the Lincoln Riley era was he was trying to be all of it all at once. Uh, th- that seems to be the case now as more and more people talk about it. Like he wanted to run everything. He wanted everything to run through him. And obviously Brent has, I'm assuming wisely said, I do that's, it needs to run through somebody, but I'd rather it not be run through me. <laughs> like, I have to I have to talk to to the local media and give them 15 minute answers for every question. So, like I'm not <laughs> gonna have time <laughs> to, to hunt down these guys. Yeah, I mean like the, to me, those kinds of models where it's one, I mean, I feel like, for example, it sounds like Sabin, you know, is very much a uh a delegator, although, you know, also a micromanager, if that's possible, I think that he's, uh, you know, one of those kinds of guys who just happens to have enough energy to do all of that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the kind of deal where it's just everything, I mean, you can't have a program be just one guy and that's your identity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, there's, there are too many things to manage and coordinate. And so, you know, having a guy who's really competent doing something like that. And clearly turnip sees track record suggests that he is, uh, you know, I think to me, I, I, it seems like a pretty good call. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that seems to be, it's, it's, it just seems, I guess the way that you mentioned it earlier, it's the professionalization of Oklahoma football, Oklahoma becoming more professional. And maybe that's one of the ways, Oh, you can try to get back on top because in my mind, the story I tell myself for oh, when OU football is successful, OU football is in front of something strategically. You know, you look at uh, look at the uh, triple option, look what, what Barry was doing, and then you see how Bob brought that back by implementing the new faster defense, having that third safety on the field, 
uh, things of that nature in, you know, implementing the spread offense much, much, much sooner before the powers that be uh, started doing that as well. Understanding this stuff. I mean, to me, OU is ahead of things when they can get in front of things systematically or strategically. You know, we're always joking that Nebraska got ahead because they had the ability to have the giant walk-on program and they had steroids for anybody else did, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but now everyone does it. So it's like, you know, you've kind of lost, you know, they had a, you know, they had a quote unquote, and if you talk to Nebraska fan, it's no, we had a quote unquote professional strength and conditioning program much sooner before these other college football programs did. But now that's gone. You know, th- those days of like, Oh, we go squat and bench. No one else does is gone. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out ways of, what are like you know your job on the field is to kick ass but how are you getting to the point to where you are kicking ass like what's that thing that you're doing um to kind of get in front of something and we're in the era of big offense even you know how quickly do we just assume alabama's going to have the number one offense you know when when five years ago it was oh yeah bama's got the best defense but man if you could just get in front of them you know you have a shot now it's like just throw bombs and just hope you catch enough of them. <laughs> so yes. there's, there's almost nothing to do at certain one time. And now Georgia's done that. I mean, Georgia, in my mind, just had a completely boring offense that seemed to completely limit that team. And it was the number one rated offense in SB plus or, <laughs> or yeah. the number two behind Ohio state. So it's, it's just kind of like we're living in an era where you just have to, to figure out something on the edges of doing that stuff. And maybe that's that turnip seed. Maybe he's the guy who now I'll, I'll tease about the waterfall gets a quote unquote waterfall in, in some, some sort of thing. And it gets in the front page of ESPN because that was on the front page of ESPN when Clemson, you know, did some of that mm-hmm. stuff uh, originally. So maybe it then gets OU in the names, it gets, it gets OU's name in front of some recruits more so or something along those lines. Um, as long as OU doesn't like implement like the cheesy graveyard thing for top 25 wins. Uh, yeah. There's I, a, there's a lot of things that I hope get left at Clemson. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, but no, I think though that the way you're putting that, like Clemson didn't follow your necessarily your standard model for becoming a great program, uh, you know, and you wonder how much of that was Dabo, how much of that was a guy like that turnip seed, you know, I mean, because, you know, it's a program, they relied a lot on retention and, you know, de- player development and, you know, they kind of <clears throat> struck goal with two quarterbacks right in a row that are mm-hmm. not right in a row, but two quarterbacks within a close proximity to each other that, you know, uh, helped kind of put them over the top, it seems like. Um, but, you know, if OU can harness that kind of ingenuity, uh, obviously, you know, that it, it couldn't hurt, right? Yeah. Now, moving on from OU football to this great segue to OU baseball. OU baseball going 4-0 in the Big 12 tournament, winning the Big 12 for just the third time, which I'm not a big baseball guy, but I assume they had won it more often than that, but just the third time. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to talk about OU baseball other than they just won it and apparently did not get a chance to host? Two yeah. other two Big 12 teams got a chance to host. Yeah. Even though OU beat them in the tournament. So yeah, Texas and Oklahoma State are going to host regionals while uh, TCU won the Big 12 regular season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And OU won the Big 12 tournament. So, and apparently those got announced while OU was playing in the title game against Texas. 
<laughs> so that got that got released. Those got released and announced before OU had actually won and Texas had actually lost. So I, I don't know. I guess I, it doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, shout out Jake Bennett has been their best pitcher all year. He made the mm-hmm. all tournament team, the Big Twelve, and Peyton Graham and Tanner Treadway as well, two of their best bats, probably their two best bats, made the uh, all tournament team. And then a uh, shout out to Cade Horton. He dealt. He absolutely dealt. Uh, on the mound and the Big 12 title game, uh, Norman High product, Norman High School product, oh, hey, went to OU, nice. pitcher there. Um, and then, so, yeah, no, shout out to OU, man. It, and like I said, they're one of the hottest teams in the country. Yeah. And uh, them being a two seed in someone's regional, I can't remember what regional it is, but they're whoever the they're one seed is. Okay. Yeah. So, Florida, they're whoever the one seed is pissed that OU is the two seed. <laughs> The OU is the two seed. One of the hottest teams in the country is in their regional instead of hosting their own. So, yeah, shout out to OU baseball, man. It was, it was like start of the year, man. It was kind of like a Skip Johnson, like not on the hot seat, but he was he was kind of teetering a little bit. Like he needed to make something happen, and they absolutely responded, man. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to them. Yeah, that's the stuff that is kind of strange. You're talking about just the, the, uh, the announcement stuff. It's not like – Oklahoma had a, a bad season and then kind of like fairy tale run it through. They finished second place in the league. <laughs> they, yeah. If they if they won the last game of the of, of the of the of the season against Texas Tech, they share the 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 conference this regular season conference championship TCU as co champions, and then they go on and win the Big Twelve tournament. So it's not like they were the sixth seed and then kind of fairy tale run it. Right. They were already running it, almost won the league, and then did win the tournament. So. I know there's like an FPI rating or right. or something. There's some sort of rating that the the, the, the college baseball uh, gods use to do all this stuff. And Oklahoma just wasn't as high, I guess. But man, that if college football ever gets to that point in time where it's like, that's just I don't know. Maybe it's just the, it's the amount of games played. You know, OU did kind of get like a I guess Big Ten, like what happens during the uh, NCAA tournament selection. Big Ten tournaments like actively happening while they're announcing scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, those guys always get kind of screwed out of it. But yeah, cool. And it, it says here that the OU won their first uh, title, the initial tournament, 97, and it's their first uh, Big 12 championship since 2013. It's very cool to see OU delivering this way, playing well in golf, uh, playing well in softball, playing well in all the major sports and all the uh, club sports. I mean, this is yeah. a uh, – honestly, it's not something I'm used to seeing. I'm used to seeing OU – it's probably just my lack of awareness of, of the of the program of the uh, full FLX at, at OU of just being football school, football school with a little bit of basketball inside. <laughs> uh, now it seems like OU is just like a sports school, like all the way through. And some of these quote unquote lesser brother schools are losing some ground on what they can lord over OU. Uh, fans by claiming all these other big 12 championships yeah shout, who on shout earth out, could uh, you mean <laughs> who, who, who could i be shout out, can start uh, winning swimming titles right swimming and diving man just need to get mm. swimming and diving back. oh you can get an emmy come on, come needs on. To watch out but uh i am um, shout out also women's tennis too they were national runner-up they lost to texas in the title game that, that or the title matches that that sucks but hey, them getting all the way there mm-hmm. uh shout out to them too and just back to baseball, just my last point on baseball, baseball, more than any other sport, you always hear, oh, this team's hot at the right time. And yeah. in, in every sport you hear, oh, this team's hot at the right time. I, in my opinion, that is that carries more weight in baseball than any other sport. 
like baseball, if you're seeing the ball well and hitting the ball, like that's just mm-hmm. that it, it carries over, man. And the team that's hottest, like playing their best baseball, the hottest uh, at the end is usually the team that takes it all. So I think OU's rolling right now and look out for mm-hmm. them to make some noise. Well, I'm going to push back on you right there. This has nothing to do Let's with Oklahoma because Oklahoma does not have this sport. But the moment a goalie enters that playoff phase, it's, hockey? it's done. Yeah, it's hockey, done. Yeah, like, yeah. Now, now, yeah. Now, again, it's different. It's just one position. Like it said, like a team gets hot. If the goalie just like starts seeing everything, oh, yeah. like it happens, then it's done. Like it's 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 that's yeah. the one. That's the one sport where one dude can just completely change everything yeah i mean because uh, like nba for example i mean everything's set up to be best of seven so you're going to be playing you know i mean and more often than not the team that's better you know is, is going to win but hockey's one of the few that has that best of seven setup where it still feels like it can get pretty chaotic in the playoffs yeah and also i mean from what i understand like you know i live uh, an hour and a half a little bit shorter than that from dallas i've got a lot of friends who go to those stars games it's like a, a cheap <laughs> achieve mm-hmm. fun environment as opposed to uh you know being outside in baseball uh <laughs> yeah. or being priced out for like math you know i actually know there's an article about this i remember reading it or it's in a book about and they measured like what sports have the most luck versus skill and, and mixed in in the outcomes and like baseball was the one that tended to be the luckiest or the you know kind of thing where you can get hot at one, a specific mm-hmm. time of year and and it makes a lot of difference in the playoffs that was one, it was the one exception and now on to the beast that is OU softball OU starting off the title defense uh against uh northwestern pretty soon and it's it's uh i don't know it's hard to put it's hard to put any sort of like platitudes towards the softball team other than they're extremely good. <laughs> they may be the best team that's ever rolled through Norman, uh, which is saying a ton. And this this amount of like a the success is still very young for the program. I think they've got five national championships total, all in the last twenty years, I believe. Um, and that could that and that themselves puts them in third place. Arizona has eight, UCLA has twelve. But I mean, Matt, I mean, walk me through some OU softball stuff. I mean, what? I mean, they've got their tradition. They took down the wall panel. They took it to yeah. home plate. They're getting ready. I mean, it, it, where's ball at? What are we doing? Do, I mean, do I need to go outside? Is there cats and dogs? Where's the pandemonium? <laughs> is, 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 is it going or is it just a nice, easy coronation of this is the best team? Do your best to hold on. Right. Well, it's Groundhog Day again. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, uh, OU's back in the Women's College World Series. Wow, crazy. Um, no, I uh, Jordy Ball will start there. So they they've done all this in the postseason, basically without her. But from the she wasn't there, wasn't available uh, against Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve tournament. So since then, they they haven't been they haven't been with uh, Jordy Ball. But Hope Troutline and Nicole May have been about as good as subs, like subs as you can have too. Like Hope Troutline had like the best ERA in the entire country. And everyone is all in agreement that, oh yeah, she's the second best pitcher on, on the team. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's crazy. You have the best ERA, but you're the second best on your, on your team um, behind Jordy Ball. So I, I think Jordy Ball is, I'm not going to say nearing a return. I don't, I don't have any, like sources mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I, I think 
if they like get through these, maybe these first couple, I think you could see her after that, like in the semifinals or finals, if they, if they get there, but the biggest thing, man, the bats woke up again. The bats woke up again. They were quiet a little bit for the Oklahoma state game and the, in, in that big 12 tournament run. Um, they were quiet a little bit and that's when they got without Jordy ball. So they didn't really have that. Okay. We can lean on Jordy. If we're, if the bats aren't really working, we can score three or four runs and still, and still win. No, they need, I, they needed to flip that mindset back to last year, whenever they didn't have the pitching that they have this year and say, screw it. All right. If we give up five runs, that's fine. We're going to score 15. Like just because our bats are that hot and that good. So um, I, I think, I think, that's really all it was. They got more aggressive at the plate. The bats woke up a little bit, and here we are. We're rolling into Women's College World Series. Like I said, it's Groundhog Day again, man. <laughs> do you have to do any sort of radio coverage of that? I mean, what, what, what do you yeah, it'll what's, all, what's It'll all be on. No, I, I, I don't have any responsibility, but it will all be played on, uh, on 107.7 The Franchise. If you're not around a TV, you can listen to it there. That's what I'll be doing mostly. I'll be putting it on and kind of jamming out to it. Do who, who's who's hosting the baseball games? Do we know? Or I mean, are you guys doing that as well? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that as well. I'm sure. Yeah, Randy Hyde's the or my boss there at the at the franchise is his only sport that he likes. I think is college baseball. So like, that's like the only <laughs> sport he likes. Uh, so yeah, you can best believe that the OU baseball games. Toby Rowland will be calling those. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, those will be on 107.7 as well. And, uh, yeah, Chris Plank in the softball. Uh, we'll be doing the softball games and, yeah, all on 107.7, man. Awesome. Well, guys, have I, have I missed anything that – I mean, I kind of threw that together. I, I was just coming off a lake. If you – none of you can – none of you, dear listeners, can see me. I'm very red <laughs> right now. Had, had some, had some uh, Vanessa House seltzers, had some uh, uh, tequila sodas. I, I, I'm kind of, uh, kind of fried out at the moment. Did I, did I miss anything that we think we should have talked about that we can we can toss some ideas at, get some hot takes off, or did we cover it all? Oh, no, man. For Memorial Day, uh, you know, you were in, in about as good shape as anybody can uh, can ask for, man. So I think we're <laughs> I think we're good for tonight, man. All right. Well, Matt, can you uh I mean, I, I know I know there's one thing I've missed, but I'm not I can't quite it starts with like it has like a it starts off kind of loud, but sometimes trails down and it, it usually falls. Yay! <laughs>